0: Hey, everyone, and
1: welcome to the Pisga Podcast. Hey, it's your hosts. I'm Drew, and that's Mangler, and you're listening to Pizga. We're coming to you live from someplace I can't quite put my finger on. All right, we'll get to it. Uh, let's just jump into these news and updates so, new G5 trail construction announcement. Oh, yeah. The next phase in the 42-mile plan are the Bernard Mountain Project adding three miles of trail adjacent to Kitsuma. This will add a single track option to climb back up for those that would rather avoid the paved Point Lookout Flora climb back to the top. Bernard Mountain will connect the bottom of Point Lookout to Mill Creek Road. The other project will be the Meadows Loop, a one-mile loop from the Gateway Trail's trailhead parking area near Curtis Creek Road. It's going to be offering an ADA, or Americans with Disabilities Act, accessible trail, furthering the G5 goal of inclusion and diversity for outdoor recreators. Dude, it's so awesome to see this
0: project continuing with the awesome momentum that they have. Uh, The one thing I will say about the Bernard Mountain project, what I see most people doing with that is pedaling up the greenway, and then having another descent back down, more like a kind of like a figure eight option. That's how I look at that. Or depending on what the trail surface is like and the steepness, definitely a climate. I have been eyeing that like ridgeline area for a while. So I'm psyched to see them add that to the collection. Uh, That's going to be real cool. And then, of course, having that Meadows loop, just expanding on the, the gateway area, that'll be so nice just to give you a little bit more for people trying to get comfortable with riding bikes and those who can't ride a normal bike and having good access.
1: Yeah, nothing about it could be frowned upon. And honestly, you know, the Kitsuma loop as it stands for me, at least that's about an hour and 15 minute loop. If I'm just at a chill pace and I gun for an hour, if I'm going for it mm-hmm. and uh, that's just a little shy of the amount of time that I really want to spend. So anything that I can add on for extra credit is a benefit in my opinion. If you figure eight it, if you use it as a climb, it, options are good.
0: Yeah. I mean, cause prior if I wanted a little bit more than Katsuma, a lot of times what I w- would do is head up and climb Star Gap, climb a little bit of Heartbreak right until it starts going back downhill on the way up the mountain and then turn around back right there and, you know, do kind of like an out and back on Star Gap and lower, lower, lower Heartbreak and then head up Mill Creek Road.
1: Yeah, same. And uh, this keeps you off of the pavement. So I, like, you yeah, know, so there's n- nothing about it that you could complain about.
0: You no, know, some more gravel and more trail, but I mean, let's be honest, like having that that greenway there, that is really awesome. Yeah. Well, so in the past, we've talked about the forest revision plan for Pisgah and Nanahela for the US Forest Service. Uh, they've been working on that and we reported on it a while back. And most importantly, the reported 14,000 objections to that plan revision that was released at that time. So now the Forest Service has reviewed those objections to that plan, and they've made this big document about it. Uh, Andrew Jones over at the Asheville Citizen Times published an article with some opinions from those incested with the proposed changes, uh, including our previous Pisgah podcast guest, Will Harlan, and he's with the Center for Biological Diversity.
1: Yeah, so we here at the Pisca Podcast are going to review that 445-page response from the Forest Service and consult with some people that are smarter than us before we officially comment on the matter, but you can read the published article at the Asheville Citizen Times. Yeah, so I was able to read that
0: article once and then I think I went back to look at it before we recorded this episode. And the paywall got me, so I might have to subscribe to Citizen Times to get that second read and dig into that a little bit more before diving into those 445 pages.
1: Yeah, it's going to be a lot to get through, and I just want to get through it with a unvarnished opinion uh, from other people, because I I know it's at stake here, and I know that this is the final word, and I really want to be sure I'm responsible with how I reply To our audience about it
0: yeah absolutely totally so and that's one thing that you and I have been constantly trying to do is like if if we're not educated in the matter and we don't know enough about it and we bring those in who are and
1: so that's our goal hey look I went to public school and I didn't go to college so you know we got to take how I feel about things with a grain of salt but you know let's talk about some fun things Let's do it. Let's. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna hand this one over to you, Mangler, and uh, let's talk about this week's uh, interview.
0: Yeah. So, jumped across the mountain last week to go visit our good friends over in Chattanooga at Hand Up Gloves. You guys ready to do this?
2: Um, I think I
3: am. I'm gonna hit a bathroom break real quick nice (laughs) got the cracking sound
0: me over here uh acting like i'm cracking beers when it's just like a spindrift spicy water
3: yeah that was a beer yours actually sounded better opening it had like a fizz to it
0: it did yeah i think it's because it's the sparkling water yeah gets it jacked up but anyway we uh we're here to do a podcast aren't we
3: yep
0: everybody hydrated
3: yeah cool i think so
0: all right right on with a bunch of cashews.
3: Cashew's good, man. <laughs> it was awesome. Cashew, vegetarian restaurant, Chattanooga. Shout out. No <laughs> free <laughs> shout outs.
0: No free shout outs except for cashew because <laughs> yeah. it was delicious. Uh, guys, we are here in Chattanooga, Tennessee, the far other side of the mountain from me. And uh, I traveled far and wide to get here, and I'm happy to be here. We are here at Hand Up Gloves headquarters. What is that? Hand Up HQ on Google Maps?
3: That's yeah. right. Hand Up HQ.
0: You can uh, walk in the front door and have a wide selection of product at your fingertips. That's
3: right. Yeah. Literally on your fingertips
2: <laughs> if you want it. Ooh, starting off on the nose.
0: Yep. Hand Up's a familiar company to a lot of us, especially in southern Appalachia. But uh, we're here to find out how Hand Up came to be the, the upward hand.
3: Yeah, and, uh, good yeah. good word play there. Yeah. So <laughs> you might I take appreci- you might take Troy's job. He's our marketer, but you know he's not coming up with that stuff yet. You can have it. <laughs> <laughs> uh
0: so let's find out some background. Troy, you're sitting closest to me, so spill it.
2: Well, I entered this game I think one year late. Um one so, year one year into hand ups existence. One year into hand up. Uh, I was just a bike shop kid. Uh, I was going to school for marketing. Cody would come by and we would talk marketing topics. And then I got a little part-time gig bagging up gloves that he would sell that on the, on the website. And it turned into an internship that I got for school credit. And at the end of the internship, he offered me a position, which I didn't even know had existed up to that point. <laughs> and so I took it, and I've been here since I think I'm going on seven years or so. Yeah, it's been awesome. I mean, I've been here since the spare bedroom. First desk was the sewing table of Cody's wife and my, my real boss, Jamie. Um, <laughs> Cody thinks he's the boss. We've moved now four times, sitting in the, the newest edition of Hand Up HQ, and uh, I think the best one, honestly, this one's this one's really fun. So, yeah, it's been great. That's at least my start to it. Uh, my start to biking was, I'm embarrassed to admit. Dump it out, dude. Let's hear it. It was clad in spandex.
0: I you <laughs> got to start somewhere, man.
2: <laughs> On skinny tires, no less.
0: We're here now. Yeah. So...
2: Yeah, but we're, tell them where you're from. It
3: makes more sense.
2: Yeah, I'm from Memphis, so we didn't have any mountains. True. I rode the Flatland on skinny tires on a road bike and totally bought into the road scene, which is a fun scene sometimes until you know, sometimes Until attitudes biking. come along with it. And then you meet people with great attitudes and they happen to have knobbier tires <laughs> that are much wider. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Met, met a lot of good people across all sorts of bike riding, but I definitely started in road and, um, then got into mountain biking and really liked cross. Uh, yeah. Cause it's just knobby road tires and, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't have, like, a very valiant cycling story. I'm just kind of a general rider, and I think that's what comes across with Hand Up is we're all just kind of general bike riders. Do we we weren't start by racers or anything, you know? We're just a couple guys riding bikes, happen to make some gloves, too. I
3: like that. I like that. All right, Godie. All right. Give, um, us, give us the spiel. Yeah. The mic is yours. 2014 is when Hand Up Started. I th- that was the year we started selling stuff. Um, before that, twenty thirteen, I spent basically all year going through prototyping. Back up a little bit more, I guess. Why gloves? It's just I was into cycle cross. Um, I come from a motocross dirt bike background. Grew up racing dirt bikes. Moved out here. I'm from Nevada originally. Last place I lived in Nevada for college and such was Reno. So
0: interesting scene out
3: there dirt yeah dirt by bi- and since I left there their bicycle scene is blown up tons of companies move in there um Worldwide Cyclery is there Fox you know, fa- yeah a bunch of and just a bunch of like distribution places like all these distributors QBP, BTI all these people have warehouses there so unbeknownst to me like I didn't know any of that when I was out there it's I think it's just come around recently Moved out here because my wife got a job out here, Chattanooga, Tennessee, been here once before, wasn't really on our radar. thought we'd be here one year and go back to Reno and loved it, stayed, loved the surrounding area, loved going over to Brevard, riding those trails. And then also got into cycle cross. so got more into the into cycling, road bikes, mountain bikes, cycle cross stopped racing dirt bikes or any of that stuff. You moved out here, there's not public land where I can just go ride wherever I want. So the
0: BLM tracks where you can just go rip on forever. Yeah,
3: exactly. Out west you can do that. So is it it's a different change, but on the flip side, like came out here and there's established mountain bike trails that were legit. Like out there it's just you climb a fire road for an hour and bomb down some bootleg trails that fifteen year olds cut in and <laughs> and it was just like ah this isn't my thing but out here with the mountains and and just established trail systems it was like this is actually awesome and then cycle cross when i moved out here is big in atlanta birmingham knoxville so right being in chattanooga and nashville being in chattanooga i could just like do the circuit every weekend i was like in one of the cities just race in the middle of it yeah just racing you know i'm like cat three so nothing special but And then going to kind of what Troy's alluding to, just normal guys riding bikes, like me being a Cat 3, like I didn't aspire to be like a Cat 1. Like I was just happy where I was at, mid-pack, have a good time, meet a bunch of cool people, have like all these friends that would be at these different races with me. And it was just about the social aspect and, you know, it was kind of like why are all these other bike brands – I mean, we all know the reason, but a lot of bike brands or a lot of brands in general across multiple sports are all about the highest echelon performance. And it was like, well, what about like the brand for just like the common people? Like what can we all get behind and like be pumped about? I mean, we literally tell our athletes, we do not care
2: what results you get. We care that you're a nice person (laughs) Yeah, and you do some fun stuff every now and then. If you podium, that's great. I mean, half the time we don't even know yeah. <laughs> if they do or not.
3: Yeah, and we're like we sponsor you because like we, you're a good guy, girl, person. We want to be on your hands and yeah, just be good to other people and um, keep pushing that agenda rather than like I have to be the best racer out there. All that kind of background. I was wearing some dirt bike gloves. And I, I think that's like
0: most of us coming up. Like, we wore dirt bike gloves a lot.
3: Yeah. Even, like, when I was riding BMX, it
0: was, like, mostly riding dirt bike gloves. Yeah,
3: absolutely. I don't know. They they're just simple, and they got it figured out. And, and they were I've, cheap. And they were cheap, yeah. And you could go get gloves from other people in the from bike-specific companies, and it just felt like what we've kind of coined this term is, like, over-engineered and overpriced. Like, they just put a lot into the features that half the time – Grow, sound great on paper, then, but then when you get them, you're like, well, I really don't need that, or it the doesn't execution's work. execution's
0: not there. Yeah.
3: So it was like, well, I hang on to like this dirt bike that has like 50 horsepower and these very simple gloves, very much like what we make now. So like, why can't those gloves just be good enough to ride a bike in?
2: You had a funny thing
3: the other day, we were talking about
2: products and you were like, are you really going to use that 10th pocket on this trail? that a six-year-old girl holding a Barbie walked in Crocs just the day before.
3: <laughs> like, there's no chance. There's yeah. no reason to have the 10th yeah. pocket. Yeah, I mean, that's, like, the motto of handoffs, like, common people and just gen- general stuff. I mean, when we launched Apparel, we thought back to when we were kids riding BMX bikes around the neighborhood. When you're 10, you're just ripping in, like, Levi 501s in a cotton T-shirt, mm-hmm hot, you're sweating. Like, of course, you're a kid. You don't know anything else. So, you know, as adults, we want a little bit of function in our apparel.
0: (laughs) Slightly more function, slightly more comfort. Yeah. There's ways to achieve those.
3: Yeah. It's like, where did we all of a sudden just believe like you couldn't throw your leg over a bike unless you were wearing spandex or like shorts specific for riding a mountain bike you know so that's kind of where initially hand up start is like i have these motocross gloves they do great i'm running out of them looking in bike specific companies and i don't find anything that fits or feels like what i want nor is there like cool graphics on it and moto has like a bunch of cool graphics and all those companies that establish in the in motocross constantly come out with new stuff and new graphics and it like i still follow motocross supercross and just the cool styles like three times a
0: year they're dropping out like a fresh
3: look or or like you know roxon's wearing like the newest fox gear that's like special edition for atlanta or whatever And i love that stuff and i was like maybe we can do this had no experience in apparel all i had was some sponsors from the motocross days People who worked at those companies had become friends, got some contacts, and ended up with some factories that did good work and visited them and could trust them and stuff like that. So 2013 was all prototyping. 2014 launched, late 2014 launched, hand up gloves, started selling our gloves. By the way,
2: on the prototyping front, I think a lot of people think, because nowadays you can just order a glove from somewhere and slap your logo on it. But Jamie actually sewed the first hand up glove together. so the big Terry cloth thumb, the palm. I mean we weren't printing at the time, but it was actually prototyped. It wasn't just like the thing that we chosen liked the from most. a catalog. That's yeah. right. It wasn't chosen from a catalogue. Yeah.
3: and it was like Frankenstein together from multiple different gloves, you know, like buy this this cycling brand glove, take like the thumb from it or whatever specific materials, uh, you know, the top of the hand, the palm. Yeah. And it was sewn together by my wife and shipped all over the world a few times. And (laughs) it was very much like, please, can we get this back? We will spend $50 DHL to get it back. Like it's our
0: only one. Direct signature required on delivery. Exactly.
3: Yeah. So that's how it started. 2014 selling gloves Started going to bike festivals because um, some friends were like, you need to come to Dirt Fest in Pennsylvania. It's it's the best. Like, you'll sell some stuff up here. And it was the best. And it, it was the best. That was the best festival. <laughs> RIP. Yeah, RIP. I think and you guys
0: the, went the year after me and my boys went. Oh, really? Yeah, we, we rented a houseboat. It was the SS Flaccid. Oh, um, yeah.
2: <laughs> nice. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was like the last festival for real debauchery. And hand up, we cut <laughs> our teeth there. 90% of the marketing you see was totally thought up at Dirt Fest six years ago.
3: For
0: better or for
2: worse. For yeah. better or for worse. <laughs> yeah.
3: I mean, that the people who went to Dirt Fest were just like what I believe is like core mountain bike community. Like they represented the core people who mountain bike across this nation. And I loved it. So yeah, during this time, so we started 2014, it was my side gig up until 2020. So Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. Six years, Jamie, uh, my wife, it was her side gig up until 2019. She quit her job. She was a uh, director of rehabilitation at a skilled nursing facility. So again, nothing with apparel or design. I happened to be able to work design tools I did graphic design in college and for vehicle wraps and actually race truck wraps, so like short course race trucks and stuff. So I worked for a company that we'd wrap the trucks and we'd go to those races and they'd rip off fenders and we'd wrap new ones and slap them back on for yeah. them. So really weird. But anyway, I learned how to do graphic design through that stuff. So that's like the experience I had in this game was the design side.
0: But a design with uh, an application. Yep idea so you're basically just instead of like putting a a design on a truck you're putting a design on a hand where it has like you know curvatures and stuff like that so slightly different
3: things slightly different learning process there it took a year and a half through all this prototyping and you know how big can we make palm graphics and and there's been even you know a few years ago there's still stuff that like comes out on the palms where when we get production i'm like oh that was a little too big the general consumer doesn't know but me being a weirdo i'm like oh, i wish we just like shorten I mean, like that like two centimeters that, yeah
0: that you thought about and you're like is this going to be too big i don't think it's, i think yeah, this will yeah. work yeah and then like you second guess yourself and
3: maybe it works maybe it doesn't yeah yeah i mean and that's that's basically running a business like just you think you know everything until you don't, and then you're like, okay, learn my lesson there. But another lesson's coming down the road. Yeah. Troy started with us a year after we started, so he was our employee, our main employee he, for what two years, probably. It was just like it me, was and, a
2: lot of just yeah, I mean, me and
3: you kind of me, half time, you, Cody would like
2: direct the show, and then I was just full implementation, so. It was kind of, I remember, I mean, at the, at the time it wasn't as bad because, you know, you think about customer service now, it's answering all sorts of emails a day. But back then it was one or two, but it's yeah. just a little bit of customer service, a little bit of shipping, a little bit. Of, and I'd signed up to be like the marketer. So I was like, <laughs> he was like, what would you, what do you think about the direction our marketing's going? I was like, if I could
3: stop shipping, I'd, I'd sure like to think about that <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, this small business, like, you got to do we're, everything. We're a bolt bit. just doing everything. There's a running joke now from my wife, Jamie, that like you, you don't let Troy or Cody do anything around here anymore because we've done everything. It just was on a very, very small scale when we did it. And so now when we try to do it, we go back to like six years ago doing it. And they're like, what are you doing? Like, there's a the, real process to things yeah. around here now. There's a, a warehouse manager in back, like, don't even let us touch the product or else. <laughs> And we don't. <laughs> yeah. And if we're off on inventory, it's like always oh, Troy or Cody's yeah. fault because we were back there like giving stuff away one day or what, or like taking it for photo shoot. So, yeah, it's been interesting to see that like us kind of grow past positions that we're like, we still feel confident like we could execute, but it's like such a more refined process now that we're like, have no clue what we're doing. So we, just, we stay in our lane now. Yeah. But yeah, for a while, Troy, it was just Troy. You know, I'd check in like morning, lunch, after work, whatever. Um, My job was like working with the factories, which open at 8 p.m. our time. So I'm just moonlighting doing like all the designs and products and getting those coming. Troy's running the ship, got more people. 2019, you know, it hand up to a certain level. We probably had like three employees, Troy and two others at that point. And so me and my wife had a discussion like one of us needs to go be there full time to like actually run this. We can't like Troy, you're also managing the whole show and marketing and whatever other duties that we that are going on at that point. So and then 2020 I quit my job and then COVID hit and it's like oh no, what did I do? Like <laughs> this could be the end of it all. <laughs> Um, but yeah, then we saw a big biking boom. Everything worked out. If we didn't see that boom, boom like projection wise, everything's good. Me and my wife, were are going to work here. The scary thing is like when COVID hit, everything dropped all of a sudden. Everyone. It was like a pause. Yeah, like it was a months. pause. Yeah. And that was the scary thing is like, well, wait, is like the world just ending? So yeah, did that. Since then, it's still been up and you know, everything's good and it's, uh, Very rewarding to be able to come in and work with, you know, people. I mean, we hired everyone here, and I look at everybody as, like, my friend. So it's very rewarding to be able to come in every day and, like, work with people that you absolutely like, and you don't just got to say that because you have to like them because you all sit in cubes next to each other. Because HR tells you to like them? Yeah, Yeah,
0: exactly. So 2014, the glove launches. Yes. And then you did, like, socks and pants Mm. or socks and shorts yeah that
2: was 2018 yeah four years later 2018 we didn't i'm actually you're gonna have to help me remember this i I don't think we had anything but gloves until until we had everything like we did we did shorts the button-up hawaiian the and socks i think for like the next three things yeah
0: and you guys dropped them all and And tank tops And tank, and tank tops. tops. Yeah. yeah, you drop all those things like kind of at the same time.
2: At the exact same time, it was it was like spring of 2018. All of a sudden, Hand Up had a full line of a, a lineup of apparel.
0: What was it like leading up to that? Was it Hell. the same process <laughs> <laughs> of like figuring out a glove? Did you like do a bunch of like homemade like template designs? to figure out like a good cut for that stuff.
3: Yeah, so leading up to that was one, like why did we even go into apparel? And it was like people made spandex kits and there's a lot of brands that we became friends with, collabed with or whatever. And so there's a lot of people that had the quote cycling apparel on lock, right? And then you have the big brands who have the, mountain bike shorts with all the features and techie stuff on them and jerseys and whatever but to us a lot of our riding was just like go to work get a quick like hour hour and a half spin afterwards and then like or lunch hour or lunch yeah. yeah it was like cycling to us was like just worked into our day like we didn't have time to go ride for three hours and yes i own spandex i own like fancy technical shorts and jerseys and stuff but those are like reserved for when I, like, go to Winrock and ride or... Like, like you're doing a big all day in Pisgah or something. It, yeah, a big day in Pisgah or a, you know, if I'm wearing spandex, it's because I have a 60-mile road ride or something, like, but those are, like, once a week maybe, and uh, for the most part, rides are squoze in at lunch or, like, quick after work or before work or just riding to and from work, and... So that's when we kind of looked at the market and we're like, okay, I'm just literally wearing like normal pants to work. I wish I had something more comfy and, you know, like we put zippers on the front pockets. Like when I'm riding, I'm constantly checking my phone. Well, put a zipper on my front pocket, I zip it up, and I know it's going to be in there when I get done or my, you know, keys of the building or whatever. So that's where our apparel came in. First of all, we were like, we do gloves really good. Apparel – Kind of saturated. I like this brand. I like for you know mountain bike. I like this brand for uh, spandex kits. Whatever. I have this brand over here for like my casual wear. I go to every day, and it was like. Okay, well why do I have to like undress and put on a whole new uniform just to go ride a bike, you know, back to the when I'm a kid when I'm ten, like I'm just hopping on my BMX bike and ripping around the neighborhood.
2: Well then after too, like after a ride, we want to go grab a drink, grab a bite to eat, and you don't have to enter a restaurant looking like a stormtrooper <laughs> in, you know, forty different logos and yeah with your forty different pockets or whatever. Yeah.
3: Or even like get undressed and put on right. your casual uniform now. It was like Why isn't there something out there like this? I mean, there kind of is. You got Lululemon, athleisure brands, but also I've had a pair of their pants and I don't want a mountain bike in them because I'm going to- Because they're $200. Yeah, Yeah, right. They're expensive and then I'm going to get them dirty or God forbid, like a branch catches me and like rips them or I wreck or something and rip them. So our whole view going into the apparel was we do gloves really well. Apparel's kind of saturated, and it just – all those reasons I just explained was like, well, here's where we could fit in. Like this is exactly what we want to wear too. We want to wear just like these casual-looking pants that we can go ride bikes in, casual-looking shirts or flannels if it's cold. So from there, we then went around to the different casual stores that we like and got the fits off different stuff, just measuring – you know Troy's bigger than I am, so we have like a good range of what what like a bigger Different size could look. Yeah, and something. like big boy size... sizes on yeah. lot. thanks to me. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we just doing all all this measurement. Again. I guess I missed the
0: call when you guys were calling about tall pants.
3: Yes, yeah, yeah. 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 We, we don't, don't have, have
2: tall friends. We don't have a 37 inch inseam yeah. friend
3: uh, that's close by. He was just far away, and we needed him right here. Yeah, we just measure measure that. We find the fabrics we like, and I've been over to our factory, and they take us to the fabric market, and it's— That's got to be quite the scene. It is It's chaos, (laughs) and anytime we need to switch fabrics, it's almost worth—it's such a long trip. It's almost worth just going over there and spending a day there because it is a nightmare communicating exactly what we want and the options they tend to go to and bring to us. So for instance, our jorts like that, since we started the apparel in 2018, it had been on our radar. We're like, we need to make these jorts and they just could never get us the fabric. And finally, like, I think, uh, 2019, we went over there and walking through the, uh, fabric market and just like found this fabric. Now, I don't know how much anything costs. Everything is in like, you know, a different language, like on the cards, everything. Like I can't read anything over there. I'm just with our person from the factory and we're walking around. And so yeah, by the time like we get samples and production and stuff, we're like, Oh, how much does this cost? But that's a whole nother story. But the but it's like, hey, the benefit to that is like it doesn't matter what the cost is. Like that's the right material we want. Yeah. And then like we have to mark it up at a price that like we can make a living wage. Mm-hmm. So. Hey, and the jorts—the only thing written up in the Wall Street Journal. That's
2: true. That we've made. Is no our shit. Jorts. Really? Oh yeah. Your jorts
0: made it in the Wall Street Journal. Yeah. yeah.
2: The, the biggest major publication we've ever been in was for our jorts. That is, dude. Congrats, guys. That Thank is amazing. You.
3: Appreciate that. I'm sorry I didn't know that. <laughs> no,
2: it's okay. It's okay. But thank God he went and found some fabric for it or we might not have made it in the old Wall yeah. Street
3: Journal. Well, I mean, those were in sampling for like two or three years of just like this material, that material, they'd find different things and just... And I bet the,
0: the material you found was like you were on your way from like one of their places to another and you just happened to see exactly. one, right? Exactly,
3: it was. I was literally like walking by this like little tucked in store and I was like, let me see, like I, something caught my eye and I just ducked in there and I would like, grabbed a card with all this writing on it that I don't understand and like showed it to our factory guy and was like what is this like this is what we need they went talked and all of a sudden we like got all these samples from them and like off we went and it was like the best thing out of that entire trip but yeah you're right it was just by happenstance that 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 occurred yeah
2: and this is all happening while we're <sighs> discussing whether George is even a good idea or any yeah. of this is even a good idea. Like. Do people want, you know, button-up shirts that are – that look like crazy Hawaiian shirts but are jersey material, you know? Like – but that's another example of something we were already riding in. We just didn't want it to be made out of cotton anymore. We wanted something fun that was also applicable and, uh, you know, simple. So we didn't use the most high-end Italian fabric, if you will,
3: but we made it usable for a mountain bike and lots of other things. And Mm – it's fun. Found a jersey material that like buttons could be sewn on and it wouldn't like droop, you know, wouldn't. Oh, yeah, that's oh, a good point. It. Yeah. yeah, it's but it's like weird stuff like that you don't think about until you're now in apparel and you like first iteration of everything. So, like this
0: jersey and, material, like it's super light, it, it breathes well, mm-hmm. but when you put a button into it, it like makes the fabric sad because yeah, yeah. the button's too heavy for yep. it. Yep. Little details like that that people don't even think about. Yeah,
3: and then you go through a year of testing or i don't know sampling i guess and you start realizing that and then you just get better the next time and you start thinking about stuff like that Mm -hmm. so it's just been a learning process which is back to your question like why apparel like we just saw kind of our like a thing that we were wearing and other people were wearing that wasn't being quite met by others quote bike companies we were like, okay, well, we can make that. Like, I mean, it's it's all about it? finding that
0: niche. Yeah, yeah. because like, when you find that, you know, like the saying's like the riches in the niche. Yeah, and it's like finding that small window and applying. Sure. Shit. And that's what you guys have done. And so now here we are sitting in your office, coding, and we've got this wall of beautifully designed logos on <laughs> gloves with man, lots of big global brands up there. Not yeah. just mountain bike brands, but like some some big brands too. Yep. You guys have a custom glove yep. program. Talk right. to me about that.
3: Yeah, we do. Can we tell the shram story? Yeah, we can. <laughs> <laughs> I told Michael earlier, showed him the shram eagle glove there. It's all black, it says Shram Eagle on the fingers, and then on the palms has the Shram Eagle logo. Yeah. And it was when they came out with the Shram Eagle, but.
2: Well, the funny part, the, the, I mean, you listen to these podcasts to hear the behind the scenes and here's the behind the scenes. Yeah, that's true. Spill it, so as an intern, not yet fully paid, I was also a fence builder at Cody's <laughs> house. <laughs> I was there. They had to get something out of me. I'd already posted on Instagram that day and filled out the customer service that I needed to do and shipped the things out. So we're working on a fence in the backyard and we got a call, and even though it's on the home phone, it is, in fact, for hand-up gloves. And it was our good, now good friend, Jason Blodgett, um, was calling to see if we could even make custom gloves. And oh, so I this said, wasn't even, like, a thing you guys were promoting? It wasn't promoting. a thing. We had no... We had no uh, uh, custom, cu- program, custom program like you see you on the website now. And, uh, yeah, I was like, well, who are you with? <laughs> He said, Shram. I was like, we absolutely have a custom program. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, actually, I covered the mouthpiece and said, Cody, do we have a custom program for Shram? And Cody said, yes. I had no idea. It's a fake it till you make it scenario at
0: that point, probably. Absolutely.
2: But that is like, how cool is that? The first custom glove we ever did, right? Yeah. Was the Shram Eagle glove for the launch of the Shram Eagle group set, which they made a ton of. I mean, there's probably people out there we've never met or that. One guy that won seven or so Tour de France has had a pair on at one time. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't mean, we would never talk to him. So, anyway, yeah, the custom program has been great. And that was the start of it. After that, it was definitely developed.
0: Yeah. So, what was the process like? So, SRAM calls you up and it's like, hey, can you guys do a custom glove? You're like, Cody, can we do a glove? <laughs> yeah, dude, we got you. What's yeah. up?
3: <laughs> yeah. yeah, the the process from there was like all right well like you know how many do you want and also we have an agreement with our factory for minimums but for shram i'm going to like go beg borrow and steal to like, <laughs> like figure i'm going it to out. make this happen yeah i'm going to make it happen
0: cuz that was a big press launch that yeah, they did and everything yeah. for that whole setup
3: yep absolutely and i think after that maxis came to us so it just like led to other big stuff and it was like
2: yeah, and uh, I think, but cool. I think we had met Jason at Dirt Fest. We did. I That's think... how
3: we got our number. Yeah, but we still. I mean, it's Dirt Fest. You're just like having a good time, yeah. throwing back some drinks, and you, you get everyone's card. And mm-hmm. he apparently took our card to heart and called us yeah. back. And so yeah, which is crazy
0: because was... our cards look ridiculous. Yeah. And and the glove that you had at that Dirt Fest
3: was that like the what what glove was that was that like the first one that had the pisgah map it was the usa one the america one we made. oh yeah yeah mm-hmm. we had i think the pisgah one was probably like the sixth or seventh glove we have design we ever did we did like three solid colors to start with in 2014 which just said mud sweat and beers on them oh yeah um mm-hmm. and those were kind of targeted towards cross people In terms of the graphics, the glove is, you know, good for holding on to any handlebar you have. Then from there was the red, white, and blue America glove, American flag glove. It says America across the palms. That one right there? Yes. Yes, Exactly. And that one kind of was the catalyst into the rest of hand up. Okay. That was just, that we made at the same time as a, like, digital camo camo gray gloves so it was kind of neutral and then I think after that we did like a floral design, the Pisgah one just because I already told you self-proclaimed map nerd so (laughs) part of my love for Pisgah is like just looking at the map and like connecting trails and stuff. Shout out Pisgah Map Company. Yeah so that uh, that was a I just I can't remember how I designed that one but took a map or something online and just boiled it down to some design elements and put it on a glove which was awesome was the you think the
0: the, the america thing on the palm of that glove is yeah. kind of what helped sell the ceram thing yeah potentially?
3: well that's what took off from um at these events like we'd go to these events and people would be like oh that america gloves hilarious well like the tops look good and then we'd show them it says america on the palm like <sighs> you know yeah. with the m without spelling it correctly and they'd be like, "That's hilarious!" and buy them, and then all. And same time, Instagram's a thing, so people start like posting them on Instagram. And I remember leaving a bike festival, and like Ibis had posted a post with like their bike, but a dude was like doing America in the background, and people were like, "Where you get those gloves?" And we were oh. just all over Instagram, like, "Hand up gloves! Hand up gloves! Yeah. Hand up gloves!" <laughs> so,
2: yeah. by the way, I see the connection you made. We have an eagle on our glove, <laughs> and they wanted an eagle on their palm. And that was actually a huge cluster because it is a really intricate eagle. If you look at their logo, it's like an eagle made out of 50 diamond shapes. Yeah. And that was the big question mark. But we did it. So yep. not much story there other than
3: thank God it happened. Yeah. Thank God we pulled it off somehow. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that process was, hey, factory, we have this, uh, this. And so all of our stuff is like our spec, our glove make, like, and even since those first ones, like we've done things like extended the thumb two millimeters. Like, oh. but it's just stuff like that that like they start getting tight or like we start hearing feedback. Like, oh, I just wish the thumb was a little. So it's like we, we've still made like improvements since the 2014 launch. Mm-hmm. But yes, the SRAM project was like, yes, we can do this for you. All right. Now that night get to work, you know, 8 yeah. p.m. Factory's open. Hey, I have this new design, but I need like slightly less of them because it's you for know, a special it's, project. It's not, yeah, it's for ours, and so I mean, we've met the people over there at, our, at the factories we work with. They've they've actually come over here too. We've like went out to dinner with them. They visited Chattanooga. Like they thought I was Cody and Jamie's bodyguard. Yeah, <laughs> 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 Troy's our bodyguard. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Uh yeah, and but they're just, you know, we've become friends. Like we share pictures of our families with each other and they're just you there's this huge like you know, if it's not made in America junk or whatever, but which is, which, is always
2: hilarious cuz it's a dude riding a Taiwanese
3: frame. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> but when you're in business and and you have like suppliers or factories you work with and like You really are just like starting to become, it's like a human relationship. You don't, there's not a border there. There's not like different nations. It's a global, yeah, it's a global economy nowadays. And you can say the global economy, but unless you like deal with it every day, like if you're just a normal person, you go to work for a company in America and do your thing and get paid, and like you don't understand like what global economy means. Yeah. And yeah, they're just people over there like we are. During COVID, like we 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 work with a bunch of different factories that I don't think anyone else works with, which is our like good for us because during COVID we were able to get stuff when no one else could. Okay, and it was also because the people we work with over there will get us our stuff because you've built that relationship. Because we with... built that relationship, and they will literally drive to wherever stuff needs to fly out of. And like get our packages in front of the line, and get them on planes and Mm -hmm. stuff. So or on boats, wherever it is. But it's like just become such a relationship now that like there's you know geopolitical things going on, whatever's happening. But it's like at the end of the day, they're still gonna want to work with us, and you're gonna still, and we're still gonna want to work with them. And like wherever they're at, country versus country, like whatever. Not gonna matter. Uh, doesn't really matter now if stuff blows up and we're all like fighting or whatever. There's a huge global thing, then like maybe you you're gonna have to because like literally stuff just won't be able to ship out of certain countries. But until that day, like we're not really looking to go anywhere else mm-hmm. because we've built relationships with other humans on this planet, which
0: uh, is awesome to say. Yeah. Well, I mean, and also like you you just mentioned you have plenty of other you don't just work with one company you work with other companies yeah you mentioned to me earlier when you were showing me around that your socks are made down the street
3: Yeah. yeah yep exactly when we can bring stuff close to home like and it makes sense then we absolutely do our first version of socks were not they were made overseas we didn't have like that relationship it was it was the thing of like oh let's we're getting good at this sourcing thing. We can just pick something off the shelf and like brand it. Didn't work out the way we wanted. Next thing you know, we're looking around this area, a bunch of knitting mills. We have like a knitting mill literally 15 minutes away that does our socks. They make them. We bring them to our warehouse. We package them up. If you order them, they ship out of our warehouse right here. Everything's like source and made. And right as cool here. as that is, Chadwick. it doesn't,
2: it's, it's amazing that's 15 minutes down the road, but it could have been in australia it doesn't matter like it's the relationship that we've built yeah. with our our the guy that makes our socks now and yeah. and the folks that make our socks now
0: and like building relationships you get this SRAM project you succeeded yep you, yeah and then like you said then Maxis comes knocking at the door and then like i mean just then looking. red
2: bull then paps blue ribbon then windrock then revel bikes
0: yeah so you know? no taco. uh who else like salsa <laughs> yeah salsa uh
3: transition bike yeah. transition. transition bike
0: world cyclery like we're just reading off this wall for the listeners at home pit
2: vipers <laughs> on there norco bikes yeah great relationship with them they're fantastic folks
0: so it's like you exceeded this one relationship and it just spreads from there yeah. oh let's
2: not miss dales or uh, excuse me oscar blues yeah, i just blue's saw the dales there. glove yeah. up there that they were a big part of our our custom you know program
0: production So what what's a custom program look like now?
3: Yeah, so you can order as little as twenty four pairs, up to as many as you want.
0: Twenty four pair, really?
3: Oh wow! You do twenty four pair, and I mean, you're trying to resell them.
0: I mean, there's a there's a
3: cost. Yeah, there's a cost uh, thing element there. You know, like so we'll sell we sell our gloves, our inline product online most days gloves for twenty nine bucks. If you, you know, if I think if you're buying 24, they cost a little bit more than that. So Mm -hmm. you'd have to upsell them for a lot more to make money. But, yeah, if it's just, like, you and some buddies, you know, 23 other buddies or everyone wants a couple pairs of gloves, like, Like slap a logo on it. Yeah, you and and your local
0: crew, like, you guys got a squad going, like, hey
3: hit up hand up make a custom glove absolutely and it's a couple bucks more at that at the 24 quantity level it's a couple bucks more than a 29 nine dollar glove but you get a glove with your logo on it mm-hmm. um that's yours no one else has yeah.
0: yeah it's almost like you guys are winking at me over here
3: <laughs> you should and you could
0: yeah you know a guy. I know a couple guys, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They've came through for some big names, so I think they could come right. through for Pisgah Podcast. Also, we
2: didn't say I-9, I don't think, and I don't want to leave them out because they're you know they're in the southeast with us. Yeah. yeah. We're one of very few southeast companies, and that's something we're definitely proud of, too.
0: Yeah, so, uh, yeah, there's not a – the mountain bike industry as a whole, like, we've got a a couple companies over in the Pisgah area by me. Yep. But it seems like there's a gap between here and everywhere else. Yeah. So how's that been? Do you think that's been like a...
2: It took us a minute to get out west, it felt. It's, yeah. It, we had to. We had a, a local presence and then a regional presence, and then it took a while to get out west. But, I mean, I'd say we're definitely there now. I mean, yeah. some of our top states are west of the Mississippi yeah. and they're mountain biking havens. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it took a minute. Uh, I think it's just a different type of, of riding. You know, we we used to go to Dirt Fest in Pennsylvania, and, yeah, yeah, and like that was a huge part of um, our upbringing. And the, but the rider there was kind of what we're describing, what we like, you know, yeah. what, or how we ride yeah. rather, like you casual, know, casual, yeah, like, wearing yeah. t-shirts sometimes even. Mm-hmm. But then you go out west; it's a different style of riding. You got you got folks looking awesome in a full matching gear. Yeah, full and we didn't out. have we didn't have the. You know, it's no secret we're not 50 years old like Fox is. We yeah. don't have, like, full kits that, and, you know, a ton of history. So that took a little bit longer to breach. But I think, I mean, it's total. well, I don't think I know because we have data that says it's caught on in the West. Yeah. And that's been great, although I'm a Southern boy at heart. That's what's <laughs> up. Yeah.
3: Um, I think there is kind of a split between... The Southeast and the West, like it's much easier out here to work with companies. And I feel, and maybe, and also if people approach us from like anywhere, like we're super open to work with anybody. And I think it's really that Southern hospitality. Yeah. You know, you talk to I-9, you talk to Maxis, you talk to Oscar Blues in North Carolina. Yeah. Like everyone's, everyone's just so nice. super nice and everyone wants to work and help each other out you know, companies from out west, transition bikes, approach us and was like, Hey, we wanna do gloves with you guys. Hell yeah. Like yeah, we wanna do gloves with you too. Mm-hmm. Um also it's the bike industry. I think a lot of people are just super nice too. Yeah. So And that we all helps. we wanna
0: all help everyone else. And we yep. want each other to succeed.
3: Yep.
2: Yeah, as as long as we've done this I mean, which has been a substantial amount of time at this point and with the names on the wall that we've described, like Even Pabstle Riven, for example, like none of this has been we put on our suit and we walk into a board meeting. It's been let's I mean, even if it's a Zoom, let's crack a beer. Let's have a conversation about how cool these gloves are going to look because we're going to do this. And that's how it's all panned out. It's all been really fun, really collaborative, and it's created lifelong friendships. I mean, we we talk to all sorts of people. I mean, if I left this job tomorrow, there's people I would call that I met in the bike industry just to see how they're doing.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. You mentioned going, uh, starting off going to Dirt Fest. Do you feel like festivals have been kind of like one of your main things? Have you gone to like some of the fests out west and everything?
3: Yeah, we do. and <laughs> We like to put our own flavor on it. Yeah, we have a big Bluetooth speaker. We go. Sometimes the festival organizers tell us to turn down our music. We have the loudest non-PA
2: system Bluetooth speaker available.
0: What's the Bluetooth range on that sucker?
2: Uh,
3: that's a good question. I'd say. It's like three booths away. Because if, <laughs> if Troy's running the music like he normally does, and then he walks away to go to the bathroom, it's about three booths away. It starts, like, cutting in and out. And I'm like, Troy, come back. Yeah. Leave your phone. Yeah. The Gucci man gets worse somehow. The Yeah, so festivals start going to Pennsylvania, Dirt Fest. It's no longer a thing. We've been up to Snowshoe, West Virginia, down to Florida, up to Maine for NEMBA Fest. um, Done Sea Otter a couple times. Sea Otter, Sedona, Mountain Bike Fest. Like, yeah, we've been everywhere. You know, I'm from the West Coast. I've probably driven across this country 12, 14 times. Yeah, probably 14 times back, back and forth. So seven round trips.
0: That's enough Kansas and Oklahoma for me, y'all. Yeah.
3: It's rough. Yeah.
2: Not to forget, uh, Single Speed Kansas City was one of our original events.
3: That's true. And yeah. I
2: think we're the only booth there and I'm we might be the only booth that ever showed up <laughs> <Yeah>. there.
3: <laughs> we might do it again. Yeah. But the the point of the of like going to these festivals was back to kind of our mantra of like just the casual rider. Casual, everyday like, rider. That's where they're We've been to at. bike races, and it's just we don't do that well there. Like, they're there to race their bikes. They have a one-track mind. They've trained for this however long. They brought their gear. Yeah, they've brought their gear. They want to show up. Yeah, if there's a huge expo area, it's great. People walk through. They talk to you. But, like, leaving that, it's very hard to know if, like, you left an impression on them mm-hmm. that they'll remember you later.
0: Yeah, whereas, like, the festivals – people are coming to festivals to see all the brands and see all the brands goodies and stuff yep. and we have the cra- when when we have the craziest gloves and the loudest music
2: and we you know have a beverage in hand all day and we're willing to give you one i mean we're a fun booth to be at it's not that crazy to see 20 25 people in
3: front of the hand up booth
2: don't don't brag very much but you know we're good at events that's all i'm saying
3: <laughs> yeah and we go out out west. And I think that's been, that was a huge part of breaking into that scene out there is you got to go be the quote, local people. You got to go invest in people's local areas. Mm -hmm. We, for longest time, you kind of said like, you know, what's the bike industry like, like West coast versus Southeast. And like, for the longest time, people either thought we were from North Carolina or California, (laughs) never even thought of Tennessee. And people out west would be like, "Oh, you thought you guys were from California," and people out here would be like, "Oh, I thought you're from North Carolina." Like, <laughs> so we, I think, had the benefit of like people thinking we were from either coast, and so I don't think we ever saw that. Like, I think it, you know, people just work with people closest to them, and even if that's like geographical proximity. So, out west, yeah, of course, it's easy to call up the shop down the street and like work with them Mm -hmm. and forget about so but i think we had the benefit for some reason maybe it's because we didn't like peek let people peek behind the curtain too often (laughs) we were like that's true people thought we were from either side of the country depending on where you're at but it was also because we were out there and we were and we were in nashville doing stuff a bunch and so people were just assumed like well i always see them here like they they must live here. here they must be from here yeah
2: yeah, that's a that's a very good point too. We we stayed behind the scenes for a very long time. Not a lot of people knew it was two people, and certainly no one knew our names. We didn't do podcasts for a long time. We said no, probably fifteen times before we did really? the first one. Yeah, because we didn't want anyone to know that it was just like a couple guys.
0: Two rather right, dudes. You want it to seem like these these are professional?
2: These are
3: professional industry yeah. veterans
0: that yeah. are making these sick gloves and apparel.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Well, part of it's that like imposter syndrome of like, we don't belong here yeah, because there's true. like people with tons of industry, like years in the industry or knowledge, like, and going to festivals, I remember the first few times we'd go to, I was like, oh God, like, I don't know, like if industry, 10 year, 10 year long industry guy comes and talks to me, I would just like shake hands nod like agree with everything they said like <laughs> you know, i was like i don't know the industry like it was a quick learning like you had to pick up on stuff real quick and it was nerve-wracking and i part of me would just like push all that down as soon as the festival started it was like you're here you can't do anything else yeah. you just gotta go That's but cool. we also
2: and this is something that i think is a little differentiating because i've met like new brands before and we and we certainly have over the years and like we also didn't act like we were a part of the industry for years. Like we were yeah. you know, well, we humble did. brag, we were
3: humble as shit to start. <laughs> <Yeah>. Like <laughs> we yeah, we weren't the ones at festivals like telling you how how to do stuff or yeah. what you should do. We were just there just we what were we were just trying to have a good time and provide a good time to people. And I think people it was easy for us cuz it got us out of the whole Industry, how long you been in the industry? How like, what's yeah. your credentials? To yeah. so just being like, well, those dudes are having fun. Let's just go have fun with them. Yeah. You know, we don't have credentials. We've got a boombox <laughs> and a and, cooler yeah, of drinks. Like so, <laughs> those how are about our
2: we just hang out, see where it goes. Maybe we learn some things.
0: And we got gloves for sale for thirty. And we bucks. got gloves yeah. for
2: sale.
0: You know, going back to people not knowing if you're California or North Carolina, is that what influenced the Tennessee glove? Mmm.
2: What did influence a Tennessee I don't know what influenced a Tennessee I think, glove.
0: I think, you
2: know, we hear too many times, well, you should put this on a glove. Like you should do this. Like a lot of the, you should do this people that don't have companies, which is just funny in and of itself. But a lot of you should do this, but that was the most you should do this recommendation is make a flag glove. And we were like, well,
3: we'll start with Tennessee, see how it goes. And I don't, we didn't I don't, I don't think, think we've think made we another, did state. another state.
2: Yeah. So and you we should really just did Tennessee. No.
3: And we tried to shut off the Tennessee one a few times. It's ran out and like shops in Tennessee will email us being angry, being yeah. like, You need to make this glove again. Yeah. <laughs> Bring it back yeah. or else. So we're like, okay. Like, I mean,
0: also it's a good glove logo.
2: No, it looks great. It is the I
0: Tennessee so, flag yeah. is really beautiful,
3: yeah. I
2: will say. Yeah. That's that's
0: very true. Earlier you mentioned something about how one thing that helped your brand take off was Instagram. Mm-hmm. And social media has definitely helped brands a lot over the past years. It seems like things are changing now. Yes. But first question is like, how has social media helped you guys grow as a brand in like you know th- this this era of technology? We used to say
2: that social media is a party, and you got to show up to the party every day and talk about yourself and shake hands and be nice and. That was something that we did forever. We were very interactive, and we still are. I'm I'm saying this like this is past tense. We still are active. We still talk to people. I would say we're probably one of the more reachable brands out there. If you DM us, you're most likely hearing, hearing back from us. And it was a huge part of our personal growth. Like we treated the person as if they were another person because they are another person. Absolutely. And we made a ton of friends over Instagram. And like when our ambassador program launched, half the people signed up were people we were talking to all the time and giving us feedback on gloves and sending us pictures of races where they had used them and they couldn't believe how good they were. So like we used it as the tool that it was meant for to be social and, it sure is changing. It is, it is just a different beast. And I'm not sure it's necessarily in a good way. I have a lot of good things to say about early social media. I know people, and I think I agree to some extent that it's, it's one of the worst things to happen, but I've also one of the best worst things. best worst things. Yeah. I mean, like me and my wife drove up to Vermont when we went to kingdom trails at Nemba Fest and a person that was a hand up fan on social media let me and her crash on their, you know, in their spare bedroom. And it's that that's the kind of door that's that was opened like instantaneously, whereas I have no clue how that would have been done prior. I guess we would have been pen pals or something. I don't yeah. know. They, but, they ride into customer
3: support, but nicely, yeah,
2: but nicely. <laughs> and then we just end up emailing back and forth for six months until I go to their house. So that part of it's great. And that was that way until very recently. And that social media has just been a real the algorithm. It's gross. Yeah. And I, here's the thing, you know, okay, I'm our marketer, so I'll speak as a, a professional in this world. Instagram is trying to compete with TikTok, and TikTok is just bullcrap entertainment. So Instagram is going to push in our opinion, some of the worst media possible, because that's what's getting people hooked to hanging out on the app. And, we have not sold ourselves to like dancing around in our gear, you know? Like that's not who hand up is. Thank you. It might be, you know, I, I maybe we'll have to bend and make it our own a little bit in some way. I don't think we'll ever completely just give in to some sort of trend that's going on, but
0: it's kind of ugly right now. It I, I would say it's really ugly right now. Well, Back earlier, you you mentioned the ambassador program. Yes. Lots of companies do an ambassador program, and I think you guys have one of the more better and more open ones because of who your audience is and you knowing who your audience is. Sure.
2: I would say we're one of the very few that don't worry about your Instagram follower count. If we can look out and see that you are very obviously active in your local community, you put out some funny pictures, you know, I mean – There's people that have been brought into our ambassador program because they rode one cross race in a banana costume. And I'm like, that's the kind of person that's willing to branch out a little bit and be who we are, you know, internally. And so all of our ambassadors are people that we think would like be able to work here or, you know, we would have a beer with and hang out with. So, yeah, it's very I agree with you. It's very open. I appreciate you noticing because Mm -hmm. it's been open since the beginning.
3: Yeah. Well, we've always done things our own way. We've never, like, looked at other people's ambassador programs or just, just, like, other apparel, other gloves, anything. We was like, this is what we want to see in the world, so we're going to make it so. And that's how we took our ambassador program. And, you know, we don't try to push ourselves into maybe areas of the cycling world we we don't belong. We're not going to try to, like, sponsor Tour de France, Rider right now because like that's just not our vibe. Unless we see one that's like drinking champagne on the bike while he's in the middle of a stage, I'd be like, I don't know, he might be our vibe. Like <laughs> my but,
2: favorite Tour de France pictures are the ones at the end where like the you know the second place guys smoking a cigar, one guy's having a beer, like they're just riding around a little bit. That they're, they're I, just yeah. being
3: normal dudes finally yeah, after right. <laughs> 21 days of after racing. being
2: absolute robots. They're yeah. doing they're yeah.
3: being regular. But with our ambassador program, too, one thing I I always tell Troy, although it goes against, you know, we're we're a company now. We have budgets and we have the internal happenings of a normal company. Troy has marketing budget. And I'm like, all right, we'll leave room in there for like free stuff for the ambassadors because the ambassador program for us isn't just, which I might look out and kind of see some of these is like just kind of a. Guaranteed money grab. Like, hey, let's give you a discount code. We know you'll just buy from us all year. And so. At that point, you're obligated. Yeah. Yeah. Or <laughs> yeah. That. And that's
0: one thing that some ambassador programs do is yeah. they use it as like, we give them this code. We know they're going to use it. Yeah. Yep. And
3: we. And we make being, them
2: feel contractually obligated to do it.
3: Yeah. <laughs> being an ambassador for Hand Up, we want you as part of our, it's kind of cliche to say now, but like family. Yeah. You know, like, so. We want you in the newest gloves we make so that people see you in the new stuff, not last year's stuff. So Mm -hmm. there's always room in that budget for better or for worse. I mean, I'm sure we could spend the money elsewhere, but it's like, no, if we're doing an ambassador program, they get some free stuff. Yeah. Because we're not just going to be like, and, and a discount code. So like once you use and abuse your free stuff, like hopefully you just get new stuff. But yeah, we don't count on it. As a money maker, it's like, hey, you're a cool person. We'd like to have a beer with you one mm-hmm. day, so like, you're just kind of in our friend group and just be a good person out there on the bike and do f- cool stuff. Like we picked you for riding a cycle cross race in a banana costume. Yeah, and it hasn't been like, it hasn't been a hundred
2: percent, but it's easily ninety percent or above that when we've met an ambassador. That has been true. the oh, yeah. The person we met online was exactly who we thought they were going to be, and it's been a blast. And we've you know partied with them or whatever. You know, you know, we've had coffee with them and one morning or something. We're in town. We're here to meet you, and it's always been nice. Except like sincerely, except for like two times I can think of where I've just been like, oh, <laughs>
0: not so much. So, so what we signed up for.
2: Yeah, right, right. But yeah, that's it's 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 an open ambassador program. And that, it's made it fun.
0: And that's cool because that's your demographics. That's who you guys are. And you're just like helping out your fellow rider. Yeah. yeah. And obviously, you have uh, some athletes that are more, I don't know if I'm call them elite athletes or like more higher pros. Like you yeah. guys do some stuff with Nico and some other athletes. Yep. We have full on sponsored pros. I mean, you know, I,
2: I don't know. I can't really speak to other. I'm sure. Sh- I'm sure there's companies out there that have a big enough check where people are just like, yeah, okay, I'll say I like you because you've put $50,000 on the table, and I've never had that before. But not only can we not do that, but we certainly wouldn't do that, and we actually have people come to us. So the coolest story, Nico's such a good example. He's from that area, um, the Pisgah area, and I love the dude. He's hilarious. I've gotten to know him over the years, but Nico came to us and – Wore our gloves for very, very, very little money because he liked what we were doing. Well, um, fir- for the first, first of year. all,
3: he got our gloves from the Oscar <clears throat> Blues collaboration we did. That's right. He actually so had a pair first. He was sponsored by or wore a helmet that I think said Dale's pell or Oscar Blues. Yeah, that's right. He had that. He was on that program and that that and gloves probably gloves yeah. not for him because I think he's he was at the time sponsored by a, a, another apparel thing or. But he got the gloves, he liked how they fit, and he ended up wearing them more than the gloves he was sponsored by, or the outfit he was sponsored by. And so he contacted us, and I think Nico might have been our first, like, real athlete, and yeah. the first time we were like, oh, we got paid pay people, <laughs> like, actual money? <laughs> but it's been great, like, and so here's the thing, like, a lot of people look at Hand Up as, like, this party company, but... We don't look look at ourselves as that. We just look at ourselves as like a relationship building company or like community company, like above everything. Like we've talked about in this podcast, relationships mean a lot to us. Mm-hmm. The people like when we pick you as an ambassador, we also like talking with you. It's not just like, yeah, here's your code. Go away reapply next year it's like yeah. we build relationships with people yeah
0: send us photos tell us what you have yeah, been up yeah See and sometimes rela- too
3: many to keep track of and yeah, you're just seriously. like backed up on text messages like literally troy has text messages from people or i do too from ambassadors that are or even old ambassadors who become friends that like yeah we might not reply in two or three days but like we will get back to you because we value this relationship yeah, the, so the
2: furthest the person that traveled furthest for me and my wife's wedding was an ambassador friend of Gloves. (laughs) Oh,
3: snap. Yeah. Who's become a good friend.
2: Yeah, who's become a great friend. Yeah. I mean, he. yeah, Cody Greer, thank you. You know, shout out to you. Shout (laughs) out. Shout out, no free shout Um, outs. No free shout outs.
3: But Nico is like, represents that in the community, right? He does. And so like, yeah, he's a pro, he's fast, like all these things. and All those things we don't care about. (laughs) yeah, Yeah. And at first we're like, wait, we're paying this dude? Like we don't care about World Cup races or wins or even... You know, he's the national champion, downhill national champion for multiple years. Like, cool, man, that's awesome. But, like, the common rider isn't trying to be you. Yeah, they they look at you and they like you, but they know they can never get there. So, like, they just go to Winrock on the weekends and have a good time. Mm-hmm. But what Nico is is community. He starts and builds communities, and that, like, aligned a million percent with what Handup is. You know, Nico's not... You know, he's not drinking casual beers with us because he's an athlete. Like, he stays in shape, and he mm-hmm. has to be on top of his game. But, you know, and so, like, us as common people can have some casual beers, watch him on TV, and, like, and, go but hang that's, out like, like yeah, then Canooga Canooga go hang out with them. yeah, Rock or whatever, or Winter Rock? But, like, there wouldn't be a downhill southeast without him. There wouldn't be Canoga, Ride Rock Creek, like, any of those places. The southeast wouldn't be the mountain bike mecca it's becoming without Nico.
0: And, Every time I have him on the podcast, I remind him of that, and yeah, he's, he's very so, humble about
2: it. He is. He's a great dude, but it is – I mean, we keep harping on relationships, and it's like – and, then, you know, we also joke about drinking all the time. It's definitely a big part of, you know, hand up, but it doesn't really always have to be that either. I mean, we we have – you know, my, like my wife's a social worker, and we've she's gone to a ton of events with me, and I'll catch – you know, we'll be out having a good time one night, and she'll be – you know, someone will be pouring their life out to like my wife, who's at that point at an extension of hand up. And, you know, I'm like watching her help someone benefit themselves or change. It's literally life changing in some instances. And it's like, these stupid gloves brought this together. <laughs> like, this is unbelievable. And so there's stuff like that, you know, the example of the, you know, the wedding travel and, you know, all all this kind of stuff, it's, I mean, I, I don't know how I used to word this, but I did used to joke a lot that Hand Up was just like a people company that happened to sell gloves. and I, But, I mean, I think that's probably the case.
0: Yeah, it's a people company that sells gloves. Yeah, I think that. Um, you know, we were just talking about Nico, and then he has a glove with you guys. Yep, that's right. So what? how does his glove differen- differentiate itself from the regular glove?
3: Yeah, so that was two years ago. Uh, at Snowshoe the first time the World Cup was there, so maybe it was longer. I don't know. I
2: think it was three years ago, but then it took us almost a year to develop the glove.
3: If anyone watches Nico's channel on YouTube or whatever and him building his own frames and, you know, tinkering with stuff nonstop, like, that's exactly what making a glove with Nico is like. It's like (laughs) every little stitch is, like, so important. And it's like, yeah, it's important to us, too, because we got to deal with the customer service stuff. But, like... He is very much a – very detail-oriented and, like, wants everything perfect. So his glove came around because he wanted – with our current gloves, he liked them. First time he tried them on, he started gravitating towards them. But he was like, hey, I think if we do these things, like the solutions we came up with. But his point was, like, I'm going downhill. I'm gripping. I feel the seams – of your fingertips in on the tops of my fingers and like after a while I just it's just annoying and sometimes he will he might try to cram into a smaller size because he likes a tight fit so all these factors cool let's get rid of that seam on the fingertip a couple different ways to sew a glove to do that Our solution, which worked the best out of numerous (laughs) testing, like move the seam up, move the seam down, stitch it this way, that way, was like on his glove, we wrap the palm material around your fingertips. And then sew it. So it's almost like looks like your fingernail on top. Like it wraps around there and the seams like on top of your fingernail so you don't really feel it. So that's one thing. Two is the cuff. Like uh, added a neoprene cuff which just feels tighter on the wrist. We don't do Velcro stuff. Nico's kind of in line with us on that too. Like Velcro just to him wears out. To us, it's the same thing. So we were aligned on that, but he wanted something that the wrist would felt secure and tight. You felt a little snug there. Yes. Yeah. And so we added the neoprene cuff. Top material was a whole other sampling design process, just numerous top materials. He wanted something that breathed, something that was tighter but still flexy. So it was like a lot of different options there. It was hard to find that by the
2: way because we were doing like stretchy stuff that was really light, but it was ex- expanding the glove
3: too much and it was not it was like loosening the glove. So we Ooh, had okay, we had a lot of top changes. Yeah. So, you know, Nico might be a size large, but he jams into like a size medium in our normal gloves because like for him, he's taking gloves on and off all all day long, going up and down the hill, mm-hmm. right in the shuttle, or whatever. So by like middle of the day, the gloves like like loose, getting worn out. Yeah. yeah, throw them in the wash, they tighten up. But you're on the hill, like you don't got that. Mm-hmm. So he wanted something that like stayed secure on his hand and like kept the tightness all day, um, but still lightweight. Which was like Troy said, the factor lighter weight materials just get stretched out and never come back. So, to like their form, super vented palm, similar to what we have on our summer weight gloves. I think those were like the main things. But yeah, this whole meeting, so behind the scenes, since we're on a podcast, <laughs> this whole meeting just happened in our van at Snowshoe after the UCI World Cup one year. He's like, Love you guys, but can we like develop another glove? And like, here's the problems I'm having. We're like, yeah, man, let's do it. So start taking notes. We we didn't, we didn't design the regular
2: hand up glove to be world cup, you know, sprint downhill. Now I will say a lot of pros use the regular hand up glove. That's, I mean, it's blown my mind how often it's been used at that high caliber racing level, but Downhill is a little bit different because you know your hands are jamming in the ends. Mm-hmm. You need the dexterity. You you want that bar. Gloves are almost unnecessary outside of grip. You know you want you want to be connected to the bike. And so, in his particular place, you know I think it worked perfectly. But
0: it's hilarious how many probably important meetings have gone down in the back of a van. Oh yeah, <laughs> probably
2: quite a few. And the most important, the Nico signature
3: model broke. Yeah. <laughs> no,
0: I. Can't. But that that's on par with Nico though.
3: Yeah, oh, totally. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. But yeah. it's also, like, elevated us, like, you know, Nico's just attention to detail and, like, quality and just – you. if you watch his videos, you know him. Like, he's just very attentive to everything. Yeah. And it's, like, one little thing – like, I remember samples, like, we'd forget to do – well, we updated last time on the new one, but it had the different changes or whatever and he would he would know immediately and I'm like, gosh darn it, like <laughs> can't slide anything by this guy. Yeah. But he improved us and like we took some stuff from his glove, like, you know, reinforcing areas so they don't split or whatever. And it was like, Okay, how do we solve that? And then we solved it on his glove and then we were like, Oh well, let's just like trickle down do to it, it on the other glove. stuff. Yeah. yeah make sure those don't do that now. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Um and then on top of that just him being a cornerstone of the downhill south the mountain biking in the southeast. Yeah. Has been like yeah, he's got to be our like flagship guy cuz yeah. we're from the southeast. He's the guy in the southeast. Mm-hmm. So even though he's from, you know, the northeast, he's, we still claim him. Hey.
0: Yeah. He's also he, very funny.
2: Yeah. I think a lot of people don't think that and probably because they don't know him very well. Yeah. But after about three and a half years, I cracked that
0: egg. Okay. And uh, he's a funny dude. Yeah. Funny dude, fun dude, and very hard work ethic.
3: Oh, yeah. He's like on his Instagram the other day. I saw him like New Year's Eve. Everyone's partying probably, you know. Yeah. Him and Max are stuff.
0: running loads of gravel up the hill.
3: They're just driving tractors up the hill with gravel at like midnight. Mm-hmm. Like dude's just working all the time. If yep. He's not – Working on his own stuff. He's working on other people's stuff or, yeah. you know.
0: All right. So hand up, known for making really sick mount bike products for us average people and some World Cup athletes. But there's a couple other genres that we've seen you guys balance into like snow and I mean, I see some golf clubs sitting over here. Yep. Yep. So uh, where'd that come from? We At-
2: figured out biking sucks. <laughs>
3: <laughs> no, you need some recovery days. Yeah. We figured and-
2: out you could be outside.
3: Yeah, we're, I mean, at the end of the day, we're, you know, we're just normal guys, so we have multiple hobbies. Mm -hmm. I went to school, me and my wife went to school in Reno, Nevada, so we grew up, or we, you know, went skiing, snowboarding a bunch, so snow makes sense. Also, a lot of people who bike also go skiing or whatever. I mean, we've got to have those wintertime sports. Yeah. Yeah. So... That kind of made sense. I think what caught everyone off guard is golf. It's two completely different audiences, different things. There's some slight overlap there. There is some slight overlap. I would argue there's a metric
2: shit ton of overlap,
3: but it's it's the type of person that
2: it is. That Absolutely, yes. And we'll dig into yes. that, but keep going.
3: Yeah, well, what you're saying is like there is overlap in the fact that like you're outside and you enjoy the time with your buddies and, you know. It's you, challenging. It's cha- it's so challenging and you can you know have a drink or whatever after during whatever it's it has the same vibe of course there's different personalities there's different different personalities in mountain biking or in cycling as well cycling in general absolutely where we've kind of carved out our our little niche in cycling is the off-road sort of stuff more so Similar to golf, there's you know, fancy country clubs and just your city owned municipal courses that yep. cost 10 bucks to play or whatever. Mm-hmm. Very challenging game. I played when I was in my corporate years working, of course, that's just a thing you do. So I way. was on
0: the golf team when I was in middle school,
3: dude. Yeah, there's so many people the that more
2: are we, like you that are m- that they like hide that little fact, and you're like, I was oh, terrible, you
0: but. Well, yeah. I did it for like three years probably.
3: Yeah. It's like, yeah, we're like, I'm terrible, but also I'm not the best at bike riding either. So like, why don't.
0: I think it's that individual sport thing. Yes. and I think my mom saw that in me when I was younger. Like Michael likes doing stuff outside. Maybe he's not having the most fun on a team. So what what else can we do that's, he loves riding his bike, obviously. So what else can we do with him that involves him in, probably in her mind she was looking for a more positive group <laughs> that was doing individual-like things and that just happened to be golf yeah
2: i also think at hand ups core there's like a little hint of rebelliousness there's a little you know maybe not very it's maybe not as subtle as it's i'm not making it out to be it's not a hint it's a punch in the face and golf is like the most ready for that that it's ever been, and it has the most to rebel against than it's that it's ever had. You know, the, the country club is no small feature of golf. You know, and I'm not saying everyone that goes to a country club is bad by any stretch of the imagination, but if you have to pay $10,000 to play golf somewhere, it is exclusive, rather. Oh, totally. It is not inclusive. And so we're fans of the inclusive. And so we're getting the chance to go not be stuffy and have some fun and break some rules and participate in a sport in the way that we participated participated in bikes. Like we like alley cats. We like unsanctioned stuff. And we're doing the same thing in golf. We're doing all the unsanctioned stuff. We actually started a, I say golf league, a when I decide to put it on golf league (laughs) called chat city golf. And it's, it's played at night. It is played in the neighborhood around um, Hand Up HQ with foam balls, and you just get a <laughs> pitching wedge. So for those that don't know, it's something that you hit a ball very short distances with. And the hole is whatever light post I decide, or whatever <laughs> cone happens to be in the middle of the road. And that's the type of golf we're going after. And it's
3: you know it's doing that. It's going to the city-owned cheap places to golf you know walk nine holes like get get some exercise just carry your clubs have a good time troy put on the city golf league i think we're two into that now and the uh some guy from paul paul from the news around here yeah called. we've never
2: been on the local news but our local local news guy called and was like the chat city golf thing is great let's get you guys on air i was like
3: Well, we've been a mountain bike company for almost eight years. What the hell?
0: (laughs) Sure. We'll talk to you about our golf program. Sure.
3: Yes. (laughs) So it's pretty cool. But yeah, like Troy said, it's just like a thing. First of all, we make what we think. We make great fitting gloves. That has transferred over to golf. It's the same factory. It's the same fit. It's... Our spin on a golf glove, you know, it's a white golf glove like everyone, like you would buy, but we put fun designs on them. Yeah. Just like Hand Up does. Going past just the physical product, it's the attitude. It's, mm-hmm. hey. We're going to the golf course to just yeah. have fun. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, who cares if you shoot, like, a super high score or whatever, like. We're just there to have a good time mm-hmm. with our friends, like if we were going on a mountain bike ride. Yeah. Um, and the more we've gotten into this, the more we've found local s- cyclists who also golf. Like, <laughs> They will go ride hard for four days a week, and two other days we'll see them out at the you know city-owned golf course. Like, yeah. what are you doing here? Why is this
2: such a hidden secret of know. the cycling
0: world? Like,
2: but it's okay. Yeah, you golf?
0: We also golf, we can all golf together. Yeah. Uh, some people are even saying that uh, mountain biking is turning into the next golf.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I've heard that. I always thought that was based on, like, the price point, though, because it's just, it. you can buy a $10,000 mountain bike now, and it was it. It can be something that someone could be arrogant about, and I always yeah. thought it was that way, but maybe not. Maybe it's just about getting outside individually, and I certainly hope it's the latter, you know? Yeah, I, hope I mean, it's the we, can, we can one. hope
0: that, yeah. Because, yeah. I mean tons like since you know the pandemic and stuff tons of people getting into mountain biking yeah and you know trails getting more developed more trails here more trails there like it's growing yeah so hopefully that's the the connection people are making
2: yeah I th- I think so I actually went to a bachelor party in Asheville and played a course there it was beautiful I loved it I wish I remembered the name of it
0: um probably, probably too fancy for us common folk to get <laughs> yeah <into. laughs>
2: no it was very not fancy <laughs> But it was was a great time, but it was the last time I got yelled at at a a golf course because one of the guys, you know, one of the old heads at the course thought we were going too slow, and we absolutely were not. Pace of play is a big thing, and we keep it up. And I just, like, had this flashback to, like, when I used to go into a a bike shop, and because I wasn't a cyclist at the time, you know, I was – treated differently. And I've heard thousands of stories like this. There are tons of people that have been treated like non-cyclists in bike shops when they were trying to be a cyclist. And I was like, this is just, this is, you know, bikes, but bikes, where bikes were in, you know, the early 2000s Okay, is where golf is now. And like, there's the old heads that don't want, you know, young people to have a good time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you got to wear a collared shirt and then tuck it in. And there's a whole group of golf happening right. Th- there's a whole thing in golf happening right this second that is anti all that, yeah. and it's become way more fun. And I'm
0: like, great, we get to be a part of this too. That's so, that's awesome. So there's a bunch of golfers running around in jorts and Hawaiian jerseys when they can get away with
2: it. <laughs> yes, yeah. Not, but there's courses that still are you know Staunch there's still a dress code, and which is crazy to think about in 2022 that there's a there's an activity you can do outside that requires a dress code sincerely uh, that blows my mind um but it happens yeah so we are very against that
3: yeah well you got that on golf and then you got mountain bike you can wear whatever you want and people choose to dress up in In the fancy in the fancy stuff and it's like golf the you know kids we golf with or younger people we golf with are just like i'm wearing a t-shirt and jeans today like let's just go golf and there's certain courses usually the city-owned ones that They're happy to have you there. So (laughs) that's what we like. Pay the fees. Yeah. Somewhat behave and you're good to go. Yeah, that's right. That's
2: totally right. And then, you know, snow is, you know, really we just make a super cold weather glove. That's all that is. We make something ready for the elements.
3: Ski, snowboard, people in the Midwest, upper Midwest wear it for fat fat biking. biking, So
2: I mean, literally just shoveling your driveway if that's something (laughs) you have to do. That's what we make snow gloves for. Yeah. Um, you know we're you do no, a glove and a mitten yeah. We have a glove and a mitten and we yeah the leather the leather glove is the full finger option and yeah there's several options in that realm but I mean but like yeah like Cody said it's it's for fat biking if you if you're in Asheville and you go to your friend's bonfire and it happens to be 30 degrees outside we have a glove that you can just wear to that that's that's what our our snow but really truthfully our cold and coldest weather gloves are for.
0: Okay, cool. You guys have been on a great progress timeline of bringing out some cool products. Your launches are always awesome and entertaining. to see the email come through with new products. Anything to tease us with?
3: Hmm. Um,
0: I've purposely not been looking at your I whiteboard that's behind me. <laughs> <have, laughs> we have
3: the whole year calendar right behind us, which is like a thing we do every year. Like in December, we just plan out the year and just that's our playbook we we call it a playbook too we execute on that month in month out try to you know get spring stuff launched here we have those designs made however long before so it just becomes like a project management schedule for us which helps us just not worry about anything else not worry about the noise of like what's going on it's like this is what we think's cool this is what we want to do and who we want to work with in terms of collaborations and then we just execute on making that happen
2: to that note i would say we've seen us work with some major brands i think we're one of the only brands in cycling Uh, uh, there's a couple more that work with like major non-cycling brands so like pbr and red bull for us but i think this year you're going to see us work with some smaller brands that were like us in 2014 that we think are doing a really cool job
0: Awesome, we're looking forward to it. You guys gonna be doing a bunch of bike fests and stuff. It seems like since things have calmed down, pandemic wise, more festivals are starting to rehappen again and stuff.
2: Yep, yeah, we'll do as many as we can. <laughs> we're, we don't have a dedicated uh, you know event staff, so we go when there's not. A wedding on the table or something like that. That's that's the still homegrown feel of hand up. Is yeah. that it has to fit our life schedule? You're Like, oh,
3: what's going on that weekend? Yeah. Like,
0: hey, Cody, are you busy? Yeah. I'm like, no, I got nothing going on. Let's go hit this festival. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. There's that's right.
3: there's seven of us here now, and so it's like, all right, here's the events we want to hit, and you know, <laughs> people are already like, can't do the one in December. I'm at a yeah. wedding already, so. Yeah, and that's it. It's like we hit the ones we can. We have our list very much like our uh, playbook up on the board. It's like we have our list of events that we're going to hit each month whenever they fall, and we solicit office participation in that. A lot of times it's me, Troy, or Jamie, and myself, or you know, Troy and his wife, Cicely, (laughs) have have (laughs) went to them before, just those two. So a lot of times – shakes out like that to make it happen but we try to get everyone involved and everyone here wants to go too they like having fun out on the road so Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah that's a key component of hand up and it's because we're in people's local scene we're like learning about them and like hopefully providing them with a good time while we're there and it's fun to plan
2: the entire year on a 13
3: hour car ride home or something like that (laughs) We have this
2: plan here, but you know, you give me and Cody one, you know, round trip around the United States and we'll hand up, we'll name the company different if we want <laughs> yeah. to.
3: We'll have all new <laughs> Come ideas back. coming home.
2: Yeah. Come
0: back with a new business plan. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Well, uh, if anyone wants to keep up with you guys at Hand Up Gloves, at Hand Up Gloves on Instagram. Mm-hmm. All the other things. I should
3: not know all this off the top Come of my head. On, marketing. I know. This is um, why we suck at marketing. Yeah.
2: You should follow us on Instagram because. That's where we launch a lot of news, and that's where we have our uh, Friday cocktail hour hosted by yours truly I love Friday. the one you did with your mom. <laughs> I did too. She is absolutely not a whiskey fan, and I was like, great, we'll do whiskey. And then just sign up for email. We try not to pepper you with information. We know you got lives. We know you got kiddos at home. We, and, hate, we uh, hate
3: getting emails Yeah, we day, hate getting so. emails.
2: So we only email you when we got something fun to say. So that's really... If you want to hear from Hand Up Gloves, those are the two places.
0: Cool. I'm on your email list.
3: Good.
2: Do you yeah. like the emails? How is it? They don't suck.
3: Okay, perfect. <laughs> is it too frequent? No, it's not. Yeah. Because if
0: it was too frequent, I would have told you. I wouldn't have said that I was My, on there. Yeah.
3: My
2: personal alarm used to be the 7.30 a.m. Eddie Bauer email every day. All right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you had dang. that one on alert?
3: Yeah. Hit your inbox. That's how
2: many dang. times they send emails, 365 days a year. It's unbelievable. So,
3: yeah. We're we not try not that. to do
2: that. <laughs> we are not that. In fact we're so far from it, yeah, we might as well not even have email.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well guys, it's been awesome hanging out and chatting with you guys and I'm gonna go disturb your co workers and poke around and see if I can reorganize your warehouse and <laughs> all the other fun things. Perfect, dude. Thank you. This is great. Cool, thanks guys.
1: Mangler, I listened to this when you sent me the pre-cut, and uh, listening to Cody and Troy, the, like I'm just listening to these guys thinking these are my people. I also used to race cyclocross, and I knew with the terminology, hand up that that's kind of where they were coming from. And we've got a lot of other little kindred things going on there, and uh, just sounds like some fun-loving dudes, and they're making some awesome equipment, and they don't charge. A lot of money for their awesome equipment. And, you know, that's just the kind of things I like. Yeah.
0: Like, I got introduced to these guys in 2016, maybe 2015, not like early on, but after they had already been established a little bit. And I've been a fan of their gloves ever since. Like, for me, being as tall, as lanky as I am, their gloves fit my hands really well. And so
1: when the glove fits, wear it. And another thing, too, that I'm going to interject here is uh, when they're talking about developing a glove with Nico, I'm not going to out him because this is a pretty big sponsor and a sponsor that he still has. But the glove sponsor he had, I would have to say, is probably the industry-leading mountain bike glove. And he still reached out to these guys and worked with them on developing a product and didn't hurt the sponsorship that he had with that company, that's, it's amazing. I mean, that says a lot about the quality and the care that these guys have about things that they make.
0: Yeah, and it, it speaks well. I have switched to using uh, the pro model glove that Nico helped them design, and it's one of my favorite gloves. Yeah, I love it. I got a, a fresh pair that I recently got. It, it, it's interesting to hear them talk about all the details that Nico brought up to them. Over the development of that glove because I can see all of that now and it makes sense and I'm psyched totally. that he put forth that effort with those guys so that they could all be successful
1: and look I've got a bunch of gloves I don't like to wear soggy gloves if I'm riding two days in a row and uh, I've got an awkward fitting hand and I like that hand up gloves are simple they don't have all this extra crap on them I've got a lot of gloves that have all these appliques and pads and abrasion resistant things and blah, blah, blah on it. And at the end of the day, if I didn't need those knuckle busters on my gloves to save me from a crash, they actually hurt my hands worse because they're just wearing calluses (laughs) in places where I didn't need them It's like uncomfortable points
0: of contact.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Well,
0: with that said... Let's hand it over to the weather. The weather, man, it's been a rough past couple of days. We had we had some nice days. We have a couple of really nice days, and hopefully everyone got after it hard because we just had a ton of rain. And we got some. We got three days of sunny coming up, and that's going to line up for probably a really good Saturday. However, it is going to be some chilly lows, well below freezing Thursday and Friday going into that. So there may be some freeze stall in some of those dark hollers. And then Sunday, if you can, f- probably get after it earlier in the day. That'd be ideal. Doesn't like like it's gonna be freezing overnight. And maybe the more north you go, it might be less of an earlier shower. But it's calling for PM showers on Sunday. Then Monday it warms up a good bit, but showing partly cloudy. And th- but then like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday with Thursday maybe showing some snow.
1: Oh, I see a low of nineteen. So hey. This is a good time of year to think about vacationing somewhere warm.
0: That is that is a good call. I might have to do that. Well guys, that is a wrap on this week's episode. And as always, you can find us on social media. Just search good Podcast. And as always, we've got our web store going with shirts, water bottles, koozies, and some other goodies, and you can check that out at podcast.bigcartel.com
1: That's right. And if you have ever Got into the trailhead, dig through your bag, you find that you've only got one glove and you don't know where the other one is. Click subscribe. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're putting up old episodes pretty frequently. Somewhat. And uh, buy some Pisgah Podcast merch because that's what you can do to support the show. Uh, show us some love because we love all you guys. And mostly it just helps for you to tell your friends about us. That's right. Uh, so, Drew, what happens if you show up to the Trawhead with two gloves, but they're both lefts? I guess you're going to steer funny all day. <laughs> yeah. You're going to NASCAR it all day. All right. Good for Dale. Good for Dale.